Well, fuck me. Everton suck. I'm an Everton supporter. I really don't like this. We're doing a special, a very special episode of the DU Football Show, Mr. Graham. That's it, the old SOS pod. I mean, we even have Graham in his car driving home from a work event to do this. It's uh, Saturday. We just lost the fucking game. We're going to talk about the board because they really fucking suck. Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right, AA, the fucking Gooner Graham. Snow of a lord. Looks great in shorts. Sam Grammy. Sam Graham. Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased uh, opinion of Everton Football Club, as told by two and a guest common American schmucks. I'm your host, Sam Houston, and in his car over Zoom is my illustrious co-host. I'm sure his hair is perfectly quaffed, Mr. Samuel Graham. Sammy, how you doing, buddy? I'm uh, doing well. It's actually contained up in the old man bun. Oh, even better. God, I wish you were on camera so I could see that stupid fucking man bun. And also joining us, a uh, good friend of the show, and of course, one of the hosts of the American Toffee podcast, and is now everybody has famously known him from the uh, 20 Club show, the J.J. Watt lookalike, Mr. Ryan Williams. Ryan, how you doing, sir? Well, as an Everton fan, I've certainly been better, but uh, I think you and I have that in common. Hopefully the other Sam won't be mocking us and laughing at us too much today. Oh, he will be. Well, well I just thought we should get things started. Like J.J. Watt, I wish you would fucking retire. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. We should just in general, our whole club should just retire. That's it. We're done. No, I mean, just Ryan. Yeah. Oh, if I only during, had his during, paycheck. During that famous, yeah, during that famous 20 for 20 show. Uh, Ryan and I had a bit of a heated discussion about the state of Everton at the time uh, mm -hmm. that I had gotten a little bit of uh, feedback on social media, of course, uh, as tend to most of my rivalries do. Yeah, <laughs> typically. Uh, I thought it was healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Healthy. Now, uh, we're recording, obviously, at the DU Public House and at Zoom and all over the wonderful wide world. Uh, do let it be said, as uh, this show and every single show, uh, at least one of us will have a drink in our hand because Mr. Graham is currently driving and we uh, encourage responsible service of alcohol. So myself, I have poured myself a nice, big, tall glass, all ice of Malort because it's what nice. I fucking deserve. So let me there take a go. quick sip of this loveliness. Hmm. Refreshing. So refreshing. Hey, you yes. know what? In honor of Everton today, right before I left my tasting, I butt chugged a half a bottle of Josh Bourbon Barrels in. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> that should be hitting that should be hitting me right about the time I hit six ninety five. Oh well look, let's look. hope let's hope that goes down a little smoother than Everton's gonna go down this year, sadly. Yeah. So Yeah, precisely. Um now the main reason why we're doing the show, this little quick show today, isn't necessarily because of the loss, because if Everton had, let's say, held on to the game and won one nothing, we would be sitting down and having this discussion as well. Uh, a lot of this is um, some people in our group have asked a little bit about what's going on with Everton Football Club, because if you're not following the club, what you saw this morning was when you chimed into USA Network or Peacock and to watch the match was the board is not showing up because there have been threats of violence against them. This is what you've heard. So everybody's like, well, what the fuck is this all about? And uh, seeing that... <clears throat> DU football show as a, as a whole, let's face it, it's an entertainment show, and we're trying to talk about the entire league. And on Monday, frankly, I want to talk about the two, hopefully three, depending on what happens with the North London, really great derbies that happened this weekend. That's what I'd like to talk about. And honestly, my match would be thrown in the middle somewhere where we would talk about the relegation battle, and I'd want to talk about it for five minutes. But this bullshit requires a little bit more than five minutes and it would end up dominating Monday show, which I just don't 
think would work and I, for, for how we do things and kind of the tongue in cheek and fun that we want to have with it. This is a serious discussion and it needs to actually be kind of addressed on its own so that uh, our listeners kind of get an idea of it. Um, Ryan, why don't you kind of fill us in on what the uh, NS now is and uh, where that all kind of came from over the past couple of weeks? Well, I think it's kind of a long time coming, I guess. Um, probably the best way to describe it is Everton right now currently seem to be the anatomy of a club that does everything wrong and has for a long time. And it's been building over time. Uh, kind of culmination is some of the recent performances. And there have been different kind of splintered groups in the past that have tried to organize the supporters at Everton in a collective group to try and pressure ultimately uh, either the board or the decision makers. We'll call it that generically. Uh, the current movement seems probably the most organized one so far. Um, it was smart enough in the way that going behind the scenes, they've kind of gathered many of the supporter groups, a lot of the more vocal individuals. Um, and it's much more pointed. It's very direct. It's really basically directly at Farhad Mashiri, uh, the chairman. Or not the chairman, pardon me, the, the owner. Uh, technically, Bill Kenwright's the chairman. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's more directive asking for, first and foremost, direct dialogue. And that's something they had asked in the past in some of the other groups with Farhad Mashiri. And, and that's not really happened much. There was one printed out letter about less than 12 months ago and one very recently. And that's, that's about it. But I, I think that's primarily what it is. And a lot of the asks are asking for change throughout the organization, but first and foremost at the board level for basic reasons of on-field performance as well as off the field. And, and I think they have very valid points. It's very hard to argue and look at since Farhad Mashiri took over the club that the performance of the club on the field has been precipitously bad, uh, yeah. increasingly bad. And uh, the financial situation right now is so dire, it's very difficult to do business. And that also includes uh, the lack of financing for um, funding the beautiful new stadium that's being constructed right in the mercy. Um, so that's pretty much it, I think. And mm -hmm. Sam, you tell me what I've kind of left out, but that's really what this group is about. I just think the difference is it's, it's much better organized. It has more people, uh, not, there used to be some conflicts within groups. Right. This one doesn't have that as much. And, um, it seems pretty powerful so far and I can see it gaining momentum. Yeah, it, it's definitely been a unified front and there has been little to no argument from anyone. Um, I know within my own local supporters groups that I'm a member of both DC and Baltimore, they posted what they were doing. Uh, and it resoundingly from everybody within the group was like, yes, this letter needs to be sent. We need to say something. There needs to be a footballing culture at Everton Football Club. Now, Mr. Graham, I'd like you to kind of touch base um, about the relationship between an owner, a club, and fans, because you have a very good perspective about what it is to mean to own a football club. So, uh, for a long time, it, it obviously is the, the billionaire's plaything right for that particular owner um and that more and more has come in as foreigners um not in a xenophobic way but as a you know kind of non-tribalist i mean football is very tribal as a, as a non-supporter of a club to just own a club is it's been more of a you know, plaything of a billionaire, and which is why you get this reaction, this visceral reaction, because to the fans, this is their life. Their life revolves around their football club. And for an owner to act in the way that that Mashiri has um, brings up a lot of feelings. I mean, you saw what happened with the Dildo Brothers in West Ham and, you know, the, the fan running out, remember, uh, uh, during the last season at the Bowling. Uh, mm -hmm. And planting the the corner flag in the in the center circle. And keep in mind, this is a minor, um, former minority owner of Arsenal. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Uh, this particular one. And you know things are bad when you make an Arsenal supporter. Thank God they have Stan Kroenke as their owner. <laughs> oh uh, Jesus, that is bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know what what's happening didn't. I mean, it did start with Mashiri, but it, he gave too much power, in my opinion, um, to to that board. And didn't listen to the quote unquote football men, right? Um, it started that summer, uh, Ronald Koeman's last last summer in charge of the club, where you bought every number ten under the sun. 
We, we referred that as the year of the 10, by the way. Right. You couldn't offload them. I think you spent upward sides of 70 million or so, and you only recouped about four and a half, five and a half million of that. Um, oh, just I mean, of tens. Yeah. No, more, it was way more than that, actually. But the, there's, I mean, that started your financial downturn uh, Definitely. In, in terms of that um, and the financial fair play ramifications. You also have every manager that comes in because you're now hamstrung on your budget, can't buy the players that they want. Uh, I think there's two separate issues going on. I don't think Frank Lampard's a very good manager, period, number one. But the ownership and the board have done things in a way that hamstrings who now, as Sam alluded to earlier, talking off air, um, I think there are managers that could do a job with that crop of players that you have at the club. You're starting, you're not very deep. Your starting 11 is, is actually decent, but they're not being organized in a way that benefits the team at all. You've had unfortunate injuries to Calvert-Lewin at a bad time. Uh, Mope hasn't exactly hit the ground running either. Um, scoring goals is always a problem, but for a team, uh, for instance, and I know Sean Dice has been tossed around a lot, Burnley never scored goals, but they stayed up. You know, they, they had a good time because they were organized and disciplined. And Frank Lampard, just, I don't think, has that in him. Separately from that, the board has put their systems and, and stuff in place that they use, and Everton is now financially drained. Uh, the fans are pissed off. Um, and everything else that's, that's surrounding the club is completely the board's fault. And ultimately, for it to be fixed, you're going to need – to either take power away from the board and get Hey, Sammy, you're breaking up a little bit, so I'm going to cut you off real quick. For director of football, like, for instance. Hey, Graham, you were breaking up a bunch, right. so we're going to cut you off anyways, because we're going to get into some of that as well. Um, now, one of the other big things is, like, we've been seeing this happen where – um, owners are supposed to be stewards of the club and they need to understand that they are a placekeeper in the history of the club and the club lasts longer than they ever will. And we saw this with, as you mentioned, with West Ham, we saw this very famously with Newcastle and Mike Ashley. And we saw this as recent as just a, a, a season or so ago with the Manchester United uh, supporters storming the stadium. You know, um, there's there's been some instances and for... For uh, Everton, what had happened, we sent out the letter. Mashiri kind of half-assed responsed it and went, eh, I had faith in everybody. Everything's going to be fine. And then he went on to, uh, to I think it was Talk Sport, and did an interview and basically said, the board knows what they're doing. We're all right. Bill Kenwright comes up and goes, hey, we've had good times. Have, have we? <laughs> I mean, the, I started supporting this club at what would be, quote, our highest moment recently, which was playing in an FA Cup final that we lost. That would be the highlight. So good times, Bill? Bill, we're having good times. Okay. Um, all of this happens, and the uh, NS Now has also staged and planned a sit-in. So instead of doing a walkout where the owners still get your money, a sit-in, you got to keep stewards on the clock. You got to pay for things. That actually, not a ton, but it does actually affect ownership's pay, uh, pay stub, right? It messes with their money a little bit. And I like the idea of the sit-in because, you know, it's peaceful. You sit there, you chant, you hold up your banners. There's definitely going to be TV cameras that are going to have those banners on TV. And it lets you at least some way let everybody know what's going on. Because, again, all they know, what the normal mouth-breathing consumer of the Premier League knows is, oh, there was a press release that there were acts of violence. Way to go, Everton supporters. Now, the sad part is, is there was actually some shit that went down. Uh, Ryan, you want to chime in on some of the things that uh, you've heard about that have happened? Well, yes, I, I think part of the issue, though, is is the timing. And this is the sad state of affairs. There's such a lack of distrust with the board at this point that when certain claims, for example, there was a claim that... Um, Everton CEO Denise Eric Baxendale um, was put in a headlock after the Brighton match and and assaulted. 
Um, I think what's strange about that is this is the first anyone heard of it and an individual broke it that no one knew about this two at all. hours before our match today. You would have thought that would have been reported within five minutes of it happening after the Brighton match. Right. So so that's the exact point. So sadly, we're in such a state where the board has been scrutinized so much and is so out of favor that people normally would never question that. Right. Especially, I mean, the assault of a, of a first of all. If anyone is around anyone that I know and someone sees any male or whoever else assaulting a woman, it ends immediately. I don't know where you, I mean, yeah, where I'm from. Yes, that doesn't happen. I mean, that person is sent out on a freaking rail, probably by me. Yeah, uh, they're, they're getting hands. That's what's right. going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that that seems and, and, and almost every Evertonian I know would react in the same way. So I'm not denying it happened. I, I don't mean it that way at all. And I'm not being insensitive about it. I'm just saying that's the point. That's the state of affairs we're at with the board and the fact that people would question it because the board would do something like that. I mean, if there's a better illustration of a complete break in trust, that has got to be it. And then the biggest one was today. I mean, not that that isn't completely mad. That one, everyone's just totally blown away by and totally confused by. But the big one today was Everton putting out a statement that, in essence, their safety department had said that uh, there have been credible threats. I think that was the actual actual Mm -hmm. wording. Right, Sam? And that the directors would not attend the match. Yeah. So did Denise uh, Bill yeah. did not attend the match. Graham Sharp, Sharp. didn't attend yep. the match. Yeah. And I, I, I think Bellwell was there, though. That's yeah. the interesting part. The director of football. I, I would I would tell you the following. Uh, full disclosure. My first inclination when all that got released is, hmm, mighty fucking convenient. Like it was like huh, very clouded statement. Not a lot into it. And I'm sitting there with producer Mel. She's watching the match with me and she's like. Oh yeah, Ken Wright had a had a security gate thrown at his car. Like there's been obviously Twitter is a great place for fucking assholes to hide, but there has been unaliving threats and essay of threats towards members of the board, which make this very clear, not fucking cool. Not at all. No. And yeah, all you it, can't be doing that. All it does is if those things are happening, it makes all of us look like enraged idiots that are there to start a riot. And it's like, oh, great. Well, now, and that's my one problem with the release statement from the board is that it's then, okay, well, don't look at the shit job we're doing over here. Look at all the Everton supporters. They're fucking monsters is what it yeah. felt like. It felt like just being thrown right under the bus. Yeah, and it's totally intentional in that aspect, you would think. And that's sad to think that. But ultimately, I don't know what recourse they have. But But what's most confusing to everyone is that, you know, just objectively, if none of this happened, objectively speaking, I think it's a fair question to ask Mashiri. Hey, why do you continue to employ these people? How are these people your custodian if they're running the club into the ground? The response, however, is not to throw gates at people's cars. However, um, there wouldn't really be as much necessity to have some of this outward rage if there wasn't at least more transparency in terms of what's going on, because I think people would be a little more reasonable if they understood a little bit of the direction and why decisions were made and what's happening. And ultimately over the years, there's minimal, minimal interaction with even at the board level. And it's funny, you call it the people's club and you've been over, I mean, you've talked to these people, the people that take us office and the people around the club are wonderful. And they're the most easy people to talk to in the world. And, And that's why I think it was very fascinating to see, Like they created this fan advisory board. The club did, too, which is very questionable, I think, to Mm -hmm. begin with. And the main guy, Jazz, you've met, he's a great guy, right? And he's not a not a yes guy or anything, but he thought it was a constructive way to work with the club. It came out earlier this week at their latest meeting that he had never met Bill Kenwright. So I think that's but that's a big part of the frustration for them, because it's like, look, you know, we're trying to set up vehicles to have the direct dialogue to give you feedback. We're not telling you what to do. But we're telling you that we're frustrated and we'd love to see more transparency in terms of what you're doing. So you have someone like Mashiri respond things talking about, you know, the board's great. The management's great. And they're executing the plan. I mean, did you know we had a plan? I didn't know we had a plan. Did you know we had a plan? No. And if and if I knew that. It doesn't why... look like a plan. Yeah, no. Right, shit. right. Sam, right. I was you about to ask anything... you the same question, Graham. Does it right, look like right. we have a plan? <laughs> right. So like. You know, Sam, you see it from a distance here and you've seen success. So, look, the one thing we do know and we know some things we know Mashiri basically unilaterally has hired the managers. Now, he tried to blame the fans on that, which was a reference to last year's debacle where Mm. the fans were borderline rioting because the suggestion was uh, Vitor Perea, who is close associate with Kia Jorshaben, who's like 
Mashiri's advisor and the guy who formerly ran Arsenal recruitment. You're welcome for Awobi. Awobi's a really good player. But by the way, Arsenal was going to flunk financial fair play when the Mkhitaryan transfer didn't go through. Kia is the one who made the deal go through with the Wobi. And here's a little known fact. Kia, who claims he's not an agent. Actually, I'm not going to give these details. But anyway, yep, that's what enough. happened. I won't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but anyway, the interesting part about that whole segue is it's kind of like, all right, if there was a plan, you would see some level of consistency. We know Mashiri appoints the 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 coaches. So go down the list. Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce, which he was a firefighter. Okay. Um, Marco Silva. Carlo Ancelotti, like what a strange combination that is. Benitez, who totally destructive manager, whatever we think about it, Graham, whatever we argue about it, it's irrelevant. He's very different, right? For sure. And then you had Frank Lampard. So this is a very strange mix of styles. And every time a new one comes in, the recruitment changes. And it's very obvious based on the former director of football that, like you said, Graham, before the football people are not making the decisions. And ultimately, this is really all this comes down to in many ways. I mean, yes, you need a proper identity driven down from the board to the football side. The football team then needs a footballing identity and needs to make decisions accordingly. The recruitment strategy has to factor that identity of the club and the financial situation and all those things in. But when you unilaterally are making decisions um, and not being transparent about the decisions, naturally people are going to be very frustrated especially the people that are trying to re recruitment at Everton and thus Marcel Brand's post Everton interviews and uh, which were very revealing, I think. And, and we are where we are right now because of non-football people, for the most part, making football decisions. I, I really think that's the root of all of it. It's a bigger issue than that, for sure. But that's certainly the immediate feel of the issues that we see. I mean, I could go into details and Paul did Paul the esque. Mm -hmm. who's one of the main players in the um, in the movement here, went on to talk sports right after, um, you know, Simon Jordan and and Jim White talked to Farhad. And they, mm -hmm. they had an interesting dialogue. Um, but really, fundamentally, what the supporters see, it's what's on the field. And it's not adequate, but it really is a um, the results of a long history of decisions. And, and Graham, to your point, started exactly in that fateful year of 1718, where Everton were, I think, the third or fourth highest net spend. And, and I think what something that people forget about too, is it wasn't just the spend. It was the massive increase in wages to these guys. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everything's yep. gross spend that year was 182 million pounds. The net spend was 70 million, but keep in mind, Lukaku was the one big out. And that included 50 million spent approximately in January to a firefighter manager with no return in Jenk Tosin and Theo Walcott, as well as a loan for Mangala. People forget about that one. Yeah. That, that was uh, that was a point, Graham. You you had brought up. You were like, uh, "Go go ahead and t t say what you told me when you when we talked about Big Sam." Well, so it all just seems so very disjointed, right? Wait, there's if no plan. Gonna, there's no plan. If you're gonna if you're gonna bring in a firefighter, great, but you don't give the firefighter money. Never. Yeah, and they and gave him they money. Gave Big Sam a boatload of money, and. Then that summer, they got a new manager in, which they were expected to do, and they should have. But then they couldn't spend the money because they already spent it in January. So now the manager had a bunch of players that he didn't want. And he couldn't figure out how to put them together because it was so unbalanced. You had 14 number 10s on the books. No proper striker to be really yeah. true. Because uh, even then, Calvert-Lewin was so young. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's still young now. But he was very young then and, and, and green behind the ears. Completely unproven so, at that time, for sure. Yeah. What what do you do? I mean, that 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 begins the you're constantly in a firefighting situation, right? And and the only way to fix that is to regain an identity, stay up so you get the paycheck, find the manager that you actually want, right? Whoever it is, doesn't matter who it is, really. Find a manager that you want that has experience, not Frank Lampard. Somebody that has experience, that knows what the fuck they're doing. And then you give them a little bit of money. You give them, buy a piece. January, buy a piece. Not five, six players or four or five players or even three players. You buy one piece. You go, we're going to go with this spine of the team. We're going to organize this spine. And this is how we're going to move forward. 
You get your people's club identity back. Your blue collar, work hard, fight for each other mentality back. I've never seen an Everton team be this comical. Yeah, it's, it's that true. Part, that part is down to Frank Lampard himself, <clears throat> solely down to Frank Lampard. It's he tough does to watch. not yeah. know how to marshal a defense. It's tough to watch they, the match when you see certain levels of disorganization that are are players that you've seen perform in the past. There is a certain element that is clearly tactical. Uh, what was his line today after the match that he told the guys at halftime that this wasn't like a real tactical match or tactical battle? Yeah, something yeah like he that. said it wasn't a tactical battle, that this was like a, 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 in fact, Ryan, your favorite word, it was a spirited battle. We all love spirited battles because, you know, but, that's the mean cog to fucking football. But Graham knocked it out of the park, though. I mean, it, there are a couple of different ways you can do it, but you've got to start with a singular identity. And whether it's a director of football presiding over all of it with a proper budget um, and, and there's things that have to happen above the football. But let's just talk about the football. And they continually buy players to match that identity and they select the manager to match that identity. That's important. Or Arsenal did it a little different way, but in a good way. They've got a guy who's buying the players for sure. But that person had an identity. Arteta matched it and they grew with Arteta. But they were very Arteta was very specific on how he wanted to play. And you see a lot of pep in him, of course, totally natural. And he bought players in a similar way that Man City's done. But they had a different point to start with. And what has happened They're Now they have players in positions that can execute the tactical system that he wants, but also the identity. So if Arteta say he got randomly lured away by whoever tomorrow, probably not going to happen, but say it happened, they could bring in someone else that could still utilize those players under a similar tactical system well, because they've got a singular identity. And, and look, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that, that, that therein lies the problem with Everton football club. at the moment. Of course you, it, it's, it's like a seven-year-old that has an $8 billion fortune. And he's yeah. just buying whoever he wants, whatever he wants, with absolutely no thought process to the future at all. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So and, and- you you either buy players and then find a manager to utilize those players, or you buy a manager and then give him the keys to the castle. And you say, go get who you want, right? And there's two ways to manage, of course. You can look at a crop of players that you have and you can decide, okay, I've got James Tarkovsky. I've got England's number one goalkeeper. I've got um, Ben Godfrey, good defender, ball playing defender. I've got uh, uh, who's your other center back? Uh, Cody and Tarkovsky. Uh, Connor Cody, for fuck's sake. Exactly right. A- another uh, uh, England international. So you you have a good spine. Onana, great player uh, from what I've seen. Great box to box guy. Disciplined as well. Stays home when he needs to. You've got Adrisa Gayback, fantastic player. One of the best holding midfielders, most underrated holding midfielders in the world. Yeah. And- why, why are you shipping goals left and right? It makes no sense. Well, so, so let's talk about that. Where do we and, go and, from here? That, yeah. that, because you're right. That's, so what I'm saying is, is the, the manager has to be adaptable as well, right? Is you have to look at the manager and say, okay, I've got these players. This is how this crop of players can play and be successful. Let's do that. Not stick to a system that doesn't fit anyone there. It makes no sense at all what he's doing. I guarantee you I could do a better job managing Everton Football Club than Frank Lampard. 100%. You you and me combined. You'll scream F-bombs at him and I'll laugh when your daughter tells everybody that she scored four goals once. Um, Well, Calvert-Lewin should do better is all I'm saying. You're not wrong. Um, That's all I'm saying. Well, that's exactly where I wanted to go to next. And we've already kind of started to have this discussion is where does Everton Football Club go from here? Because we throw around the expression, the people's club. The only thing that makes Everton football currently the people's club is the fucking supporters. That is it. Like there is no people's club. There is no working within a budget blue collar team. The best of the rest, the big six plus Everton. That shit's gone. And frankly, that shit's been gone since Moise has been gone. And we don't know who we are. And we we are lost as a club. And it's every year to six months or year and a half we fire another manager and we bring another one in and i I will i'm part of me says if the ship's sinking 
fucking let it sink with Frank and then figure it all out when once it's done. But then also part of me then goes, well, you know what? A fucking hard-nosed guy like Dyche could probably do something with the spine of this team. And it's all very, it's it's muddled and it's confusing. And I don't know where I sit on it. The main thing I want to see is a culture and an identity for the club. And the board needs to dictate that. And the director of football needs to execute that. And the coach needs to manage within that. And that's not happening. Um, Ryan, like, I, it's easy to just go, okay, well, blow everything up and be like Everton Twitter and go, oh, yeah, everybody out, sign new players. Yeah, because we have that kind of money to do that, you know. But um, go ahead, Ryan, give give your thoughts on what the fuck do we do now? Well, the catch-22 with this one is, is um, like you said, in the short term, um, install a manager that is a little more disciplined, a little more rigid, and certainly more tactical. I mean, what you're seeing is some fundamental mistakes by players that normally don't make those. And it seems to be a matter of playing within each other and within a system. And, 48 um, seconds said, into the second half, Ryan. 48 fucking seconds. Well, I mean, you know, as you've listened to the pod every now and then, that we critique that it's a very American idea, you know, the halftime adjustments type thing. But, um, yeah, we Everton normally is not as good in the second half. Other teams adjust to us. Um, and that's problematic. And I think, Graham, that's yeah, but four, 48 too. seconds isn't an adjustment. It's a well, failed assignment. Yeah. It's a lack of motivation. And it's a piece of shit. If if I was Frank Lampard, I would have walked on a field and headbutted every single fucking defender. Well, I would say and that, that's but the I, lack of passion that he has. And I would say I don't know if that was the same of passion. I think you could argue it was just tactical disorganization. There were bad decisions made on about three or four different fronts. But that's tough, right? It's it's is it an individual error, or is it a lack of organization? And that's somewhat more on the manager. I mean, it's a little bit of both. But I will say this, you know, typical guys that are passionate and aggressive. Um, it's amazing how aggressive and proactive they can look in a tactical structure that they're comfortable in. Yeah. And I think a lot of people maybe dismiss some of the design that's happening behind the scenes when things happen. Like when Arsenal's really rolling, you see some of the triangles and the trios and, and the combination play you see on the wide spaces is a little bit by design and very well choreographed and rehearsed. Um, but you also can't do the things they do without their players. So it's tricky. So in the now, in the now, the catch 22 is you can bring in a manager that's more technically astute, tactically astute and more organized, get them set up better and maybe win some stuff. The problem is who, who appoints them? Cause I could tell you right now, well, first and foremost, Frank Lampard being selected when we talk about identity and who's making those hires was selected at the end of last January, in essence, to save Everton from promotion. And when you think of someone that's maybe the right character to do that, I mean, he is like the last guy. What he was known for is dramatically changing the style of play at Derby County and doing so. They didn't improve on their points, but it was fairly ambitious and he did OK. There's first year at Chelsea. He was OK. Granted, this is massively talented teams, more talented than the other teams in their division, if you think of the people he brought in in Derby, oh, and then yeah. ultimately flunked because he didn't know what to do with other talent. That's not the right guy you bring in to keep us in January, but that's over. You had the summer. You had some turnover. You brought some guys in. Everyone was waiting. Okay, do what you did to Derby. Let's see your style of play, and it's not been effective. So I, I don't think you have a choice, Graham, in this instance. Sam, <laughs> you've got to bring in a guy that can make something of the current talent, and yes, I think you could get two loans in probably. You've yeah. got a foreign and a domestic loan left. You could probably make those changes. But what does that guy look like? My problem is, does the board even know anyone outside of Sean Dyche because he's down the road? I don't think they do. I right, because I mean, do. I could sit there and spout how great a fit I think Marcelino or Jose Bordalas is. And I think both those guys would be good hires. Sione, maybe, you know, there's a whole I think, laundry I list. Think, I, think everybody, I think everybody's leaving out the, the obvious elephant in the room. No, don't well, do it. Not, el not elephant, because apparently... <laughs> given a recent team talk uh, before the season ended in MLS, he has a tiny pecker, uh, but Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another one. Can you imagine hiring Wayne Rooney? That, that'd be the perfect type of thing that the board would bring up. Right. Even it would he, also, well, it'd be insane. There's, there's, there's twofold. I don't think so. I think Wayne Rooney's a decent coach. What he did with Darby County was phenomenal. Given, given the, the struggles that they had off the, off the field with budgets, with players quitting. They couldn't pay anyone. Uh, reportedly, he had to come out of his own pocket a couple of times to help out. Um, all sorts. And they ultimately, without the points deduction, would have stayed up. I think Wayne Rooney's a very good coach and doesn't get enough credit. 
DC United is a shit team. We all know it. It happens. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't think he could do much with them. But uh, in one of his motivational speeches uh, during the pregame, he did say, you know, I've got a tiny dick. Don't let that stop you. And I think that's the kind of that's the kind of energy that Everton need right now. He also obviously knows the club. He started and ended his career there, uh, as well as being a cult hero amongst fans. It'll galvanize the support. It'll bring everyone together for a brief time, which you need. I don't know if you remember Granite Xhaka being booed off the field, receiving death threats and everything else, throwing the captain's armband and his gloves yep. uh, on the floor and walking off. Yeah. Well, now he's one of our most celebrated players. That only comes from a, a bringing together of everyone, right? It, it, it comes from you got to start somewhere. And I think Wayne Rooney would be an astute signing at the moment. I really do. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think uh, David Moyes has a lot of time left at West Ham. I think you need to get somebody in the fans know that the fans like uh, that can reinstill that working class identity. And until you have that, you can't move forward. Yeah, that there's sounds, no. That sounds like. There's, that sounds like what they no do with way. Frank Lampard. But Frank mm-hmm. Lampard is 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 a midfield version of Patrick Bamford, posh as fuck, silver spoon in his mouth. He's never worked hard a day in his life. That's why Man, he was always late into the box. The fans <laughs> loved him. They backed it. They rode on Goodison. How much they wanted Frank Lampard. He galvanized the fans. We were but all why? united as one. But why? And we stayed up as 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 a result. But why? Why did you like Frank Lampard? I what didn't like Frank Lampard. It has nothing to do with me. But that, nothing. But I'm not talking about you specifically, but why did y'all like Frank Lampard? I what seriously. did he do in his managerial career that says that you should like what like him? Oh, nothing. I mean, he did more than Wayne Rooney, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, honestly, I, I he think, did. I he think did he less knew. than Wayne Rooney because it was partially his fault what happened in Derby County. He spent a lot of that money. Frank <laughs> Lampard did that he didn't have. Yeah, I, I think looking back currently at what, what's going on with Frank and why we galvanized ourselves around Frank. Frank's a likable fucking guy, and he seemed to take to the club. He seemed to say all the right things. It doesn't mean he knows how to do the right things, but he certainly has said all the right things. And I think we all kind of go, yeah, I want to see this guy do well. You know, it's a sure. Obviously, though, but why don't we why don't we instead hire like a, a good proven tactical manager that's had success other places? Why don't we just do that? that like, I don't sense. understand why that's so common. And I look, I hear the you want the fans to like him, honestly, at this point. But at this point, you show any success whatsoever and convince the fans are going to like him. I've gone back and forth. Yeah. With a lot of the Everton guys over there about yeah. this. And they think like a guy like Graham Potter wouldn't last 18 months and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And I'm, I don't care. You know, I don't have the English bias. So I don't care if it's an English manager, although the club has gotten decidedly more English probably in the last year in terms of recruitment and identity. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but and I don't necessarily think that's that's Everton, frankly, personally, because I think it's a very um, kind of inclusive type club. Um, certainly had a lot of international stars. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I, I think you find the right manager that has a strong identity, that's tactically strong, that can use the players at his disposal. That makes sense for the situation. And I mean, Wayne Rooney, I mean, is fine, but I, I, I there's just not enough evidence or body work for me to say confidently that he's a good manager. And I'd said the same with Frank Lampard, really. Yeah. He had a very mixed track record at his best. And, and tactically as a setup, Frank's team's got so stretched out and stuff. I was very terrified of him coming in January and we barely made it really. And I, I, I don't think we made it because of his tactical aptitude. Uh, I think we had great support. So there is some merit to that, Graham. I mean, yeah. there's some merit, you know, if you can galvanize the fan base, maybe you can keep the team up almost by, Almost the way they did last year, but I just don't see, I don't see an individual that does that. I think if Wayne comes in, that will be widely mocked and attributed to to Bill Kenwright. Oh, and yeah, I think it would he'll be. be supported, but I I don't think it'll have the same effect. That's just my take. Yeah. Now, um, the good news, if there's any good news for Everton Football Club, is that currently 14th to 20th place is all shit. They all suck right now. Now, the sad part is, is we've played a bunch of them recently and we've lost to all of them recently, which makes us the shittiest of the bunch. Um, And they're getting better. And that's part of the issue. I mean, look at the manager hires. Yeah. Yeah, well, Emery's a good manager. I, th- I think uh, I think uh, Wolves. There's certainly there's an improvement in Wolves. Um, there are, I mean, these yeah. are. These are pretty experienced, very yeah. good managers that are organized and are going to be tough to beat. Right. I think I think ultimately Wolves will be a safe team. Um, but like, let's face it, 
Bournemouth sinking like a stone. Southampton outside of this win today was sinking like a stone. Um, and who knows if that actually galvanizes them. And also, they now have cups to worry about too, including a semifinal, which will be a distraction for them. It will absolutely be a distraction. Um, Forrest, okay, maybe he's starting to figure it out because they're on a decent run, but I have a feeling once they start playing some good teams again, they're going to get their asses handed to them. Um, and, you know, us, we are an absolute mess. And we we have to figure out what's going on with the club, but there is the the, the one slight saving grace is that you know one win puts you in 14th but also then one win in the other direction one loss in the other direction puts you right back in 20th so what we do in this january transfer window and as you mentioned ryan it's getting a couple of loans and we need to actually add something to this team and the question is is are we doing that with frank are we doing that without frank and that decision honestly it needs to be made this week and those people need to brought in this week it should have been already made because ultimately, if you're looking at a loan, that's a fairly short term arrangement. Yes, there'll probably be options to buy. So that's great and all. But right. ultimately, you need to fix the team now. If you go down, I mean, it is catastrophic. Like mm -hmm. it is 90 to 100 million dollars of revenue gone. Maybe even more, really. It, I don't even know what Everton would do. They could go the route of Sunderland and go right down again, uh, mm -hmm. even though their buffers and spending buffers made to, to help teams jump right back up but i think the real question is money yeah i, I mean if you think about the summer like financial fair mm -hmm. play i don't think is much of the issue now they sold her charleston last year keen gets sold this fiscal year and that's a big book gain mm -hmm. so i think they're all right in that department there's some wiggle room but why did everything get so backloaded in in terms of purchase fees in the summer not everything's backloaded to a certain extent but i mean dramatically so and I think it's very easy to point at the irresponsible idea of building a stadium without a financing plan. Right. Yeah. And, and, and look, maybe it truly is. It truly could be. Moshiri, he's got all his assets tied up in Russian sanctions and can't get the financing deal. It would explain while he why he was looking for minority buyers to come mm -hmm. in and help him secure financing. So I no one really know. I know there's some stadium bills coming up. That's the scuttlebutt on the street. What does that look like? Could they even fire and afford to fire Frank and hire someone new? I mean, mm -hmm. these are this is the stuff that Look, if you got, is there a manager out there that can keep Everton up, especially if you bring in two players? Yeah. What do we think? I yeah. think I think there is. I, do. I, I yeah. think there is, and I also I I even though I'm going to say this on Monday, I'm going to say you know I used to say there were five clubs worse than us, and then we lost to uh, Leicester, and then I said there were four clubs less to, worse than us, then we lost to Wolves. I mean, we lost to Bournemouth twice. Then I said there were three clubs worse than us, and we lost to. Uh, wolves and now we just lost to southampton i still believe i still believe honestly forest boardmouth and southampton are going down i think they are uttering complete messes that are worse than us now and i'm gonna hope claw pray that my team figures out a way to stay up but proofs in the pudding they, they've beaten us all like looking at how we've done against the bottom half of the table they've all beaten us or they drew us like we're not getting three points against those guys. And some of them, in the case of like Wolves, we just lost to them at home for fuck's sake. And it's not bad luck. That's the thing. It's yeah. the same performances that were happening early in the season, which was good luck for mm -hmm. Everton. Uh, I think there is someone out there to do it. But again, does anyone have faith in the decision makers to do it? The best outcome that could happen for Everton is if Mashiri, not that he's going to come to his senses, if he just says, you know what? Football folks, Kevin Thelwell, be a director of football. Go find us as next manager. You take mm -hmm. care of the recruitment. I'm getting the heck out of the way, and we'll reassess in the summer. If that happened, and I, I mean, I think Kevin's decent enough. I know the recruitment guys at Everton. I think they're very good. I know some of the names that were locked in last summer that didn't happen, that this team would look very different. Um, I have some faith that th if that happens, I, I like our chances, I do not. I mean, do you re can you see a scenario with Mashiri doesn't jump out and try and pull someone out of the ether uh, and, and that who knows if they, I just think you're totally rolling the dice with that. But I yeah. think you have to move and get a new manager at this point. Yeah, agreed. Sam, your thought? You'd think we need to move and get a new manager? 100%. Um, I, I don't think I, I believe it's become pretty untenable with Frank Lampard at this point. Um, I, I I believe you need a proven firefighter that's not at the end of his career uh like sam allardyce was uh and i think that person is really going to be and needs to be sean dyche 
Uh, he has the track record of working with some of those players already. Dwight McNeil, we, we know, and Tarkovsky, of course. You have to get organized first. That's the, you know, you, you talk about one win takes you with the 14th, but you, you, what you need is a sustained run. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's six nil-nils or one-ones, you start to get a little confidence. You start to believe, hey, we can do this. It's the same six points, and those other teams around you haven't gotten any better. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think that's the ticket. Then don't spend any fucking money. Take the TV check. Don't spend any money. Do it again next season with a bit more safe. Finish in 11th. Bang. Right? 15 draws out of 38 games. Six wins. Good to go. All right. Okay? 45 points. Done. Right? Then fire Sean Dyche, hire an actual manager, and come together as a club and stick together and do things properly. Get Mushiri the fuck out of the way. Tell him to, you know, what we did to Kroenke, what Adu said to Kroenke. Shut the fuck up and sign the checks. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it from here. And that's what he did. And that was our turning point because when it was Stan or Josh making the decisions, and I, I don't know which one it was, but when it was one of them making the decisions and not Adu, we were a fucking banter club. When it was Mike Ashley making the decisions with no director of football. Newcastle were a banter club. Yeah, we are now when the banter Ed, club. <laughs> when it was Ed Woodward, the greatest commercial marketer of all time, apparently, the worst football decision maker ever. Yeah. Yep. Manchester United were a fucking banter club. And that's where you all stand at the moment. I yep. don't want to see my friend, my friend's team go down. I don't want our show to suffer because you're no longer in the Premier League. However, from a neutral perspective, this is fucking funny. It is. It, it really is. It's, it, it is comical. If this was happening to another club, I'd be laughing at it. Uh, I know I would be. I'd be fucking mocking it and laughing at it openly. I think what stinks and, the most part is like when you've had a podcast that have been doing Everton and talking about Everton for this whole ordeal, how many times you've said stuff. And people have challenged you and beaten on you when so much of it was so spot on. Not because I'm some freaking genius or the American Toffee podcast is a bunch of geniuses. It was just kind of fundamental common sense. And and that's when it's really frustrating because it's so obvious, right? I mean, everything we've said on this pod, if us three could sit around here, have a drink, chat about this and talk basic elements of identity and organizational structure and stuff. And it's just common sense, right? How, how can they not see it? Yeah. Uh, now, um, I want to go ahead and wrap this all up. I know we all got lives and I'm going to go get really blackout trunk. Um, Graham, um, first to you, uh, parting words. Uh, I, I hope you all figure it out. I really do. I mean, you're a big storied club that deserves better than what you're getting. Um, and yeah, I, I can't really say it's nepotism, but just the hiring of yes men seems to be the problem yeah the board is there to challenge the owner to challenge the chairman and they're just not doing it yep agreed agreed and uh tomorrow you'll bust my balls and it'll all be fun look at you with your stupid fucking man bun uh ryan parting words yeah, you hit it. I mean, ultimately, you've got management is the board, you know, and that's part of the problem. There's no separation. There's no independent review of anything. So uh, there's too much opportunity under that type of structure to make big mistakes. And that's what's happened. Um, I think what's going to happen is the owner's going to appoint someone else again. Um, he may get some recommendations from his director of football. It'll probably be someone that's influenced by other board members, not football people. It will probably be someone like Sean Dyche. And they'll probably bring in a couple loans and and they'll they'll go down. And not, nothing against Sean Dice, not saying that he's a bad manager. I actually quite like Sean. I've dealt with a bunch of people that have worked for Sean. They they say he's very tough but fair. Um, but I, I just think that um there's too much bad things that could happen, and there's too much variability and luck in the game of football. And I think we've ridden it long enough this year. And I think, frankly, deservedly so, with all the mistakes we've made in the past, I think it's gonna come come to fruition and and we're going to go down in fact in many ways i don't even think it's going to be close sadly but who yeah. knows here's here's hoping that's not the case because i feel like yep. we scream of 
um, what happened to Leeds or what happened to Sunderland happening to us. I don't see us as a, oh, we win the league and we all joke about how we won a trophy no. in the championship. No, I don't see it going that way. I see it going no. very, very badly. And there's really never been, I mean, even Newcastle was not quite like this. There's never really been a club with the structure and the spend and the wages and what that's gone down. Yeah. There really, there isn't one. I mean, you could think Newcastle is about the only close example, kind of, but not yeah, but Mike Ashley quite. didn't pay anything anyway. You're right. That's yeah. very true. But I mean, so, I mean, you're asking questions like Sunderland didn't have like relegation clauses. I mean, do we think we're better run than that? So, so that's the problem, you know, and there, now there are buffers in place now. So you should be able to bounce back up in theory, but that league is not, that's a well, pain here, in the butt, here's, Here's the other piece of that, too. Um, besides that, you're absolutely right with the league being a pain in the ass. But you've been trying for, what, three summers to offload a bunch of the players you have and can't. So, at very least, you have serviceable Premier League players at the club that should be able to come That's back true. up because nobody fucking wants them anyway. If they stay. And I'm not trying to be funny about that, even though it sounds like a joke. No, no, no. Yeah, but no. if they stay, you don't you don't have to cancel their contract. You true. can hold them to that contract. That's true. But think so about it, though. You don't they, sign with Everton uh, thinking you could go down. You know, That's the only twist, though, Graham. You know what I mean? That, like, the only that, twist is you're not – like, you don't sign other, with Everton think you're going down. So what happens? Do you demand a transfer? So that could get a little no, complicated. Absolutely. I mean um, – All right, boys. Well – You know you know what? Here, my, my last word before you get off, Sam, before uh -huh. you close this out, my last word is uh, I will raise a glass in solidarity with you all um, as soon as you appoint Roy Hodgson. The owl. The wise old owl to keep you up in the Premier League. <laughs> Roy, Would you rather have him managing than Frank Lampard? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. the sad part right now. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I think I've been very clear no comment. that I'd rather manage than Frank Lampard. <laughs> That's just what we need. <laughs> Sammy Graham out there with the uh, with the nub. That is what we need. Ah, there we go. Mr. Graham is finally having a swig because he is home safely and drinks responsibly. Um. That is going to wrap it up, boys. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, Ryan, please let everybody know where they can find you guys. American Toffee Podcast. Um, pretty much everywhere. You know, you go ahead and find it out there. And uh, we've got a pretty active Twitter account. And our Discord is um, pretty popular as well, too. It can all be found just straight to social media. Twitter's our primary method of communication. Give it a listen. It's definitely a little different than uh, most of the Everton pods out there. And there are quite a few of them so um yeah give us a shout love the feedback love the dialogue thanks a lot for having me on guys i always appreciate it no problem bro that's... it's always a good time man ryan we got to work on that that's not called hitting the post you got to hit the post right before the guy starts talking starts singing so but that's okay you know from one broadcast professional to another we'll teach you you'll be all right we'll help you out with that you know we <laughs> did have that. we did have press passes at the uh at the there it uh, is. you know so there you Mel go. got him it wasn't you <laughs> <laughs> Till next week, everybody. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Good night.